Friends, and welcome to the Seeker Podcast at Service of Change, where we challenge reality, question that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, with Service of Change, where you can read my book for free, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, at serviceofchange.com slash I am human. I've got a great show for you tonight. This one is part of the crux of the research I'm doing for my book, I Am Human, Food for the Archons. It's part two to I Am Human, We Are Not Who We Think We Are. And I want to talk about something that gets a lot of controversy in the conspiracy theory world, but this is something that's based, in fact, on what I've been studying and it's called mind control. Some of us have, may have heard of it. Some of us have looked in the MK Ultra stuff. But I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I'm looking at mind control from a natural standpoint. And I, I like to say more, it's behavior modification by parasites and organisms that infect the natural life on this planet to include humans. And I'm going to go into that in a minute. One of the things I continually look at as I'm doing this research and as I'm talking about this and I keep advocating for it, back in 2009, if you've read the first book of I Am Human, I I, I started to try to understand who are we and what is our greater purpose in this planet. And I've made the claims that, hey, we're not at the top of the food chain. You know, and, and that's no secret. There are things that consume. There's parasites that people get all the time. But I'm talking about something a little bit different, an energetic being that feeds off of our energy. But before we even get to that, I just want to talk about some of the things we're seeing with human behavior and what might be going on, I think that there are some external influences to humanity, to human behavior that is causing us to do things, to create this chaos, to create this violence, to create this turmoil in the world because there is a a parasite that is benefiting off of the energetic output that we're putting in there. Now, um, this is a shorter show, but in the book, you're going to get all the breakdown of all the pieces, all the components to it, how I back that up. But today I want to talk about uh, some examples that we see in nature uh, that affects not just the animal and insect life, but that affects humanity. And I think it's very important to consider that as our basis before we dismiss some of these claims that I'm putting out there as just, you know, uh, some new crazy conspiracy theory that, that's, you know, got its, its roots delved into the paranormal or the esoteric world. This is very grounded in reality. And, uh, you know, so when I was looking, when I was trying to understand, you know, my spiritual path, my spiritual journey back in 2009, I said, oh, let me look at nature. Nature's peaceful. Nature's beautiful. Nature has a sense of bliss. And I felt great and at one with the universe when I was looking at that. And then I really started to study it because I I had, and I talk about this in the book too, I I had a wasp's nest on my property. And I had adopted this mindset of I'm not going to kill anything. That makes me a good person, right? And when I started studying 
the wasps because I had a nest on my property. I wanted to get rid of it. I didn't want to kill the wasps if I didn't have to, but my dogs are in the backyard. I'm in the backyard. I didn't want to get stung. So I started doing some research in, the, in the, what some of these wasps do. And I, the more I looked at it, some of these wasps are, are pretty horrible creatures. They'll capture uh, other insects and sting them to paralyze them and then ingest larvae into these creatures and the larvae as these that keeps the creature like the insect alive and the larvae eats them from the inside out it destroys them so nature can be pretty disgustingly cruel that accommodates for basically the slow torturous death of another organism and that's part of the, the foundation of what I'm talking about here is our understanding of who we are, our relationship to everything is not what we think that it is. It, that there's something deeper, something heavier going on. Now, arguments can be made that there's been a corruption in life on earth that's, that's caused life to become what it is today. Or maybe that's just how it was designed. Either way, what does that say about the designer or the person that modified or the thing that modified the design of life on this planet? That's a pretty cruel design to promote life. I said in the book, life requires death. Something must die or suffer in order for us to live. And I, I suggest that there's something out there that's feeding on humanity as well. And I was just writing another chapter uh, you know, earlier this week talking about my father, how he passed from cancer. And this is really what sparked me down this particular journey, talking about this book and really becoming vocal about this. My, my father, you know, he died from cancer back in 2013, and it was a horrible process. It was just horrible to watch him fall apart and, and slowly uh, suffer and die. But one of the things that really got to me was that we started, my family and I started doing all this research into, uh, you know, holistic treatments, alternative cures, and finding data and documented results on simple things uh, based on what you're eating can help you know your overall health of your body and it gives you a stronger chance to fight off the cancer and to survive and, and, and to beat it and everything. So I'm showing him all this data, I'm showing him all this research and he just kept complaining about the taste and he started getting mad and he refused to drink the smoothies that we were making for him that were promoting an alkaline diet to give his blood uh, a more alkaline instead of an acidic environment because the acidic environment is where research is, is now showing promotes the, uh, the, the spread and growth of, of infections and disease like cancer. So my father just kept refusing to, to eat healthy and do these things that we were talking about. And I couldn't understand why. And, and he would just kind of almost lose his mind and yell at me when I would try to talk to him about, you got to drink the smoothie, you got to do this. And I said to myself back then, it's as if my father is possessed. It's as if he's possessed and wants to be sick and wants to die and wants to suffer. And if you understand what I talk about with the archons saying that, you know, they feed off of human suffering and human sadness and, and the negative emotions that come with that, you know, I, I, it's a loose connection at that point, but I, I started going down that road. So I was reflecting on that moment and, um, you know, as I was writing about this, some other things started to come into play here and I came across another study. I'm just going to read a, a quick abstract of it, but the, the title, it, this is on PubMed.gov and I'm going to get more into this in the book, but I just want to give you an overview of this. It's the title, it's from October 20th, 2010. 
and it's change in human social behavior in response to a common vaccine. Now, this isn't a vaccine issue here. Um, this is talking about the, the flu virus. The purpose of this study was to test the hypothesis that exposure to a directly transmitted human pathogen flu virus increased human social behavior. I'm not going to be able to say this word. Press me Potomac. Anyway. You can read the study to understand that word. This hypothesis is grounded in empirical evidence that animals infected with pathogens rarely behave like uninfected animals, and in evolutionary theory as applied to infectious disease. Such behavioral changes have the potential to increase parasite transmission and or host solicitation of care. Okay, so what they did was, under the methods, they carried out a prospective longitudinal study that followed participants across a known point source exposure to a form of influenza virus immunizations and compared social behavior before and after exposure using each participant as his or her own control. The results state that human social behavior does indeed change when with exposure. Compared to the 48 hours pre-exposure, participants interacted with significantly more people and in significantly larger groups during the 48 hours immediately post-exposure. Okay, so and the conclusions say these results show that there is an immediate active behavioral response to infection before an exposed onset of symptoms or sickness behavior. Although the adaptive significance of the finding awaits further investigation, we anticipate it will advance ecological and evolutionary understanding of human pathogen interactions and will have implications for infectious disease uh, epidemiology and prevention. Now, this is the core of, of what I'm saying. There is stuff out there that influences our behavior that we're not even aware of. What this study suggests, and I'm going to do more digging on this, but what this study suggests is that when we get the flu, the flu influences our behavior, gives us a desire to go out and socialize more so we can spread the flu to other people. The virus forces us or controls us to go out and make other people sick. Okay? There's a lot more going on here. I suggest that's some kind of intelligence. I, now, again, I'm working on backing that up with research. My point is at least to get your mind open to the possibility that what we're taught, there's more to it. There's a greater network out there, and we are but a small piece of that, vulnerable to, to forces we are yet unaware of. And what I talk about in the book, the, you know, the Institute of Heart Math research that's coming out there showing the ability and the, the interactions between the electromagnetic fields of the human heart that is influenced by the sun and the earth, the electromagnetic fields of the sun and the earth. There are forces out there that are influencing our actions and our behaviors. Okay, back to parasites, though, because I think that's it's it's what I'm talking about today. It's important. There's uh, another um, another article I'm going to talk about. It's from 2012 at ScienceDaily.com, and it's called "How Common Cat Parasite Gets Into Human Brain and Influences Human Behavior." December 6, 2012. And I'll talk about this more again in the book, but I'm going to give you an overview. Toxoplasma is a common cat parasite and has previously been in the spotlight owing its observed effect on risk-taking and other human behaviors. To some extent, it has also been associated with mental illness. A study led by researchers in Sweden now demonstrates for the first time how the parasite enters the brain to influence its host. Okay, so it's a common cat parasite, I'm still reading here, and has previously been in the spotlight. Uh, I read that part already, it's just repeating itself here. So, in quotes, we believe this knowledge may be important to the further understanding of complex interactions and some major public health issues that modern science still hasn't been able to f explain fully, says Antonio Barrigan, researcher at the Center for Infectious Medicine at 
Karolinska Institute and the Swedish Institute for Communicable Disease Control. At the same time, it's important to emphasize that humans have lived with this parasite for many millennia, so today's carriers, carriers of toxoplasma need not be particularly worried. The current study, which is published in the scientific journal PLOS Pathogens, was led by Dr. Barajan and conducted together with researchers at uh, Uppsala University. I'm going to start paraphrasing in a minute, but it says toxoplasmosis is caused by the extremely common toxoplasma gondii parasite. Between 30 and 50 percent of the global, global population is thought to be infected, and an estimated 20 percent or so of people in Sweden. The infection is also found in animals, especially domestic cats. People contact the parasite mostly by eating the poorly cooked flesh of infected animals or through contact with cat feces. The infection causes myofilic symptoms in adults and otherwise healthy people before entering the chronic and dormant phase, which has previously been regarded as symptom-free. It is, however, known that toxoplasmosis in the brain can be fatal in people with depleted immune defenses and fetuses, which can be infected through the mother. Because of the risk, pregnant women are recommended to avoid contact with cat litter trays. That's nothing new. Okay, uh, let's see. Number of studies also confirm that mental diseases like schizophrenia, depression, and anxiety syndrome are more common in people with toxoplasmosis, while others suggest that toxoplasmosis can influence how extroverted, aggressive, or risk-inclined an individual's behavior is. So listen to this here. We've not looked at behavioral changes in people infected with toxoplasmosis as that's been dealt with with previous studies. Instead, we've shown for the first time how the parasite behaves in the body of its host, by which I mean how it enters the brain and manipulates the host by taking over the brain's neurotransmitters. In one laboratory experiment, human dendritic cells were infected with toxoplasma. After infection, the cells, which are a key component of the immune defense, started secreting the signal substance GABA, G-A-B-A in all caps. In another experiment on live mice, the team was able to trace the movement of infected dendritic cells in the body after introducing the parasite to the brain from where it spread and contributed the effect to the GABA system. So what, right? Well, for those non-science types like me, this is what brings it home. GABA is a signal substance that, amongst other effects, inhibits the sensation of fear and anxiety. Disturbances of the GABA system are seen in people with depression, schizophrenia, bipolar diseases, anxiety syndrome, and other mental diseases. Basically, it shuts off your fear receptors. It makes you not afraid to do something. And what this study has shown in rats, and now they understand why, basically the rat gets infected with this parasite. The parasite then causes the rat to run out in the open, exposing itself to where the cats are instead of running along the edge of the walls and hiding in the shadows ultimately allowing that rat to be eaten by the cat so then the parasite can lay its egg and the cycle can continue again. The life cycle of this parasite can continue again. So this parasite affects behavior to basically cause death so then that cycle of life can be repeated. Okay, so that's what I'm saying here. There are things out there and this is the, I don't mean this to scare you. I mean this to bring awareness. This is not a fear-mongering piece, but if we are aware of this, we can deal with it and we can be better prepared to handle these things, but you need to question yourself and ask yourself, how much of your behavior is actually your own? Start thinking about that and start questioning that, and that's one of the goals of my book. How are we influenced and is it always in our best interest. There's a lot of stuff going on. I've got a lot of information. You can start reading for free, serviceofchange.com slash I am human. I highly recommend it. Recommend it. Just sign up for my free newsletter and you get the access to it to read the whole book for free. And then part two, I'm working on uh, very diligently, hope to have out 
shortly. I'll keep you posted on that. That's all the time I have for this. It's a short episode today, but uh, I, I highly encourage you, again, go to servicechange.com slash I am human. You can also check out at the servicechange.com page. Check out the link for our forum where you can go in and talk and share your thoughts and feedback about the show. Uh, it's a new forum, but you know the numbers are growing. I'd love to hear your feedback on what's going on. Obviously, Facebook page, uh, you, know, you can check me out there. All the links are there. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud, on YouTube, and on iTunes as well. Please subscribe. Keep liking and sharing this stuff. Help spread the word. I would greatly appreciate it. That's all the time that I have. Like I said, this is a short podcast today, but thank you so much for your time. I'm Dennis Nappy II with Service of Change, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Welcome to Truth Seekers.